Welcome, boys and babes, to the Magic Hour, a place where we navigate through life's peaks and valleys with all the vulnerability and shamelessness we can muster. With the help of world-class guests from all walks of life, we uncover new truths and valuable tools for manifesting our highest potential. I'm your host, Mercedes Terrell, along with my partner in shine, Jade Bryce. Hey, you guys. We've got a very special episode planned for you today because this will be our first time interviewing one of our guests for his second time on our show. Yay! (laughs) Our first sequel. The episode we did with this guest over a year ago has been one of our most shared and most downloaded, and I think that's because it's obvious when you're listening to him that this guy is deeply in his calling. Yes, uh, and I think I've already stroked Eric's ego enough today because I was on his (laughs) show earlier telling him how much I love it, but... um, This type of absolute genius, like the guy sitting in front of me, is not easy to come by, which is why we are extremely lucky to have him on our show for a second time. He is a psychonaut, as well as a cognitive, evolutionary, and union, which now I can say that Mm -hmm. properly. Remember the first time you were on? That was good. That was good. (laughs) Psychologist and is a major advocate for psychedelics. Currently, he is doing the work he's most passionate about, which is seeking out and scientifically studying the stories that heal people, largely through his revolutionary podcast, aptly named The Myths That Make Us, which I'm a massive fan of, by the way, if Mm -hmm. you can already tell. And I genuinely believe that this guy is doing work that will be a part of our history forever and is changing the landscape of psychotherapy. I'm honored to welcome him back to the show, our brother from another, Eric Godsey. I felt my face get red and uncomfortable (laughs) hearing all of that. I appreciate it. I was trying not to look at you. (laughs) I appreciate the words sincerely, and I hope to live up to them. (laughs) Oh, good. I told you earlier, too, that I cut out a whole (laughs) big old chunk of this that was all about how I wouldn't um, be so forward with telling someone all the amazing things about themselves Mm -hmm. if it was anyone else. It's good for the ego. (laughs) <laughs> because you happen to be the only person who will actually take that in and be like, all right, what am I going to do with this information? Am I going to let it sink in and make me into this, you know, guru or something that's, you know, but unhealthy? you're for, a magician. Yeah. But instead you take it in, you go, you know what? This was nice. It was nice to hear. But I can't look at that right now because it's not going to get me to the goal I want to get to, which is sure. something totally different than the guru. So, um. As of this morning, Jade and I have both been on your podcast and allowed you to utilize this process you've constructed for uncovering our myths and like getting way into the weeds of our brains. So could you please explain first off to our listeners the goals you have behind your show and how you go about unlocking these subconscious stories for your guests? Yeah. So the structure of the podcast um, has kind of grown organically through me uh, dancing with psychedelics, um, getting really into dreams, and then following my own obsession with stories and myths. And <clears throat> essentially what you find is if you start to look at dreams, you start to see that people think in stories. And when you ask people to retell a story, they're basically mm. telling you their story. And um, 
psychedelic experiences, the structure of the visuals can be a lot like dreams. And so that started to coalesce together. And then I found that um, if you look at any kind of like great person, if you read any biography or if you, you know, just get to know your mom or your dad or whatever, everyone has a favorite character from some story mm-hmm. that if you ask them to describe that character, mm. you can hear that they're describing the type of person they want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there wasn't like a big aha moment. I just uh, ate a lot of mushrooms. <laughs> 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 Happens for me too sometimes. Yeah, it just kind of came together. And I started to, <clears throat> so I haven't thought about this in a while. So I think actually where this started is um, I started so one of my favorite things to do is to sit for my friends while they have a psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. And I really like to sit for my friends if it's their first psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. And I found, this just kind of happened organically, but I would, I would get a set of questions that I would ask them when they were like peeking uh, if they wanted to have questions. And I found that I started to ask these like four or five questions and that was actually the seed for the mm-hmm. podcast. And then as I did the podcast more, I started to flesh it out more Mm. and more and now we have what we have today so i mean i'm assuming when in a psychedelic state like you're asking your initial guests before you had the podcast Mm. um they're much more open than just the average person Mm -hmm. so how do you go about getting people to open up that aren't naturally Mm -hmm. i mean jade is like i had medicine in me while i was on your show so awesome (laughs) (laughs) um so i think it's so Wu Wei is this Japanese term. It's like the art of no action. Mm. And mm. essentially, you can't make someone open. Right. Mm. And so um, 90% of it is just the vibe. If they mm. feel safe and they mm-hmm. don't have to do anything, they're more likely to do something. But there's no one who's going to let me sit for them if they're not ready. Because mm-hmm. like I'm very upfront with like my energy and how I am and my friends know what I'm about. They will not let me sit with them well, they do mushrooms if they don't want to have the <laughs> <Be> questioned. <laughs> right. Um, and it's kind of the same with the podcast. Uh, there's a container that's implicit about being on a podcast that you're going to open up. Mm-hmm. And if the guest feels closed, you know, we kind of talked about this yeah. after my podcast, but like those are the worst podcasts. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you feel like they don't even want to be interviewed, it's like, why are you here? I'm just yeah. here not to be fine. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, we need that. Because I'm selling a book. I told you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> those are the worst. Yeah. yeah. You brought up dreams. I've been up since 3.30 this morning because um, I had a dream last night that I was wrestling, physically wrestling demons. Like they were, I was laying in my bed and they would come in my bed and I would wrestle them and they would try to bite me. And I was trying to say, because I grew up um, being told that I have the power in Jesus' name over demons. So I kept trying to say, in Jesus' name, you have to leave me alone. But I was wrestling with my own tongue to even mm. get the sentence out. Mm. And then, but I would get it out, but I would have no power over them. So I would just continue to wrestle them. It was a really, I don't know if dark is the right word, because I woke up with no fear. I just woke up and didn't feel any other presence in my room. I just thought, well, there's meaning here. And so I didn't sleep the rest of the night. Mm -hmm. So it was was an intense dream. Yeah, we can for sure get into that right now. (laughs) Why not? Um, Why the hell not? Sure. (laughs) Let's wrestle with it. Yeah, so a couple of things. There is an... An ancient, not ancient, just an old mythological motif that the way to get power over a demon is to learn the demon's name. Mm. And hmm. um, so from a Jungian standpoint, anything that's arising inside of your dream is an aspect of yourself. And 
uh, so I told myself too. Yeah, I was wrestling with myself partly. Sure. But I, f- I meant to mention one of them was my grandmother, who I love very much, but mm. she was a demon. Yeah. Mm. And it was interesting because I had been recalling past lives all week for other people and for myself. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, the question that pops up right away is, what were the shadow aspects of your grandmother? And two or three things will pop up right away, mm-hmm. and then those aspects of yourself are trying to make contact with your conscious mind and that's commonly like what biting symbolizes but again there is no this means this for Mm -hmm. everyone always that's not how dreams work they're very um subjective and for you but biting tends to represent that energy is trying to connect to you Mm. and my guess would be whatever the shadow aspect of your grandmother represents is a part of you that probably needs to be called forward to deal with something that's happening in your life. And right now your ego's like, no, I'm not allowed to. She can to. be a little impulsive and manic. Mm-hmm. You mean creative, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, just a heads up, we're gonna get into a dream I had that I'm not gonna get into right now, but we're gonna get into it on Eric's podcast at some point. You'll have to go over there and listen, because <laughs> y'all two do a lot of plant medicine. Well, I'm pretty sure you're your plant medicine came and gave me a visit. It's <laughs> <laughs> rubbing off. Beautiful. Um, I'm curious to know if you've uncovered your myth. Yeah, so this mm-hmm. is something that I think about a lot. Um, for sure, my myth as a kid was uh, there was a Dragon Ball Z character. And essentially, and I remember I used to lay in bed at night, every night, imagining basically the same story over and over again. And it was... Um, I didn't know it, but I was an uh, alien, and mm-hmm. I was, and <clears throat> some bad alien was coming like through the universe to come fight me, and it was trying to destroy the school, and I would protect the school, and I would protect the school in a way to impress the girl that I was attracted to, and um, I wouldn't fight the bad guy. I would just absorb all of the damage of the bad guy to protect the mm-hmm. school. And I think that that's probably the role that I was, that I felt like I was playing in my family at that time. Mm. Uh, my parents were getting a divorce and it felt like I was, I think I felt responsible for absorbing all of that bullshit. So that was the first story. Then the next story that really captured me was The Matrix. And I was all mm. about. You still like, haven't seen oh, it. Oh my God. I know. God, to rectify <laughs> that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> my husband's in the room and he almost lost it. <laughs> um, that for sure is the myth for my teenage years. Like mm. it was this idea of I need to wake up. I've got to see the illusion. Mm-hmm. And then the myth after that was uh, V for Vendetta. And it was all about I've got to change the world. It's mm. got to be me. And I think that that's an extension of the Matrix. Recently, the myth that I've been resonating with the most um, is this movie called Princess Mononoke, which is my favorite mm. movie. But the thing that I realized just maybe like six months ago is uh, the main character ends up alone. Mm. And after I went through a breakup, it was like, am I lived like the big thing about my show that I try to help people see is most myths already have a written ending. Mm. And if you're not paying attention, you're bringing yourself towards a conclusion that you might not resonate with. And um, I know I want to have a family one day. And so seeing that I'm resonating with this myth, but the hero ends up alone, it's like, uh, I 
I've got a look at that. So mm-hmm. I thought you were gonna say Life Itself for some reason. The movie? Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen that Life Itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've seen it. Look at you guys. We've discussed Trading. it before. Okay, oh. okay, okay. You yeah. have where all the stories are connected. Oh, that was a beautiful, beautiful movie. So good. Yeah, but it kind of has the same feel of what you were talking about. I was also curious if you go to therapy. I went a little bit, and the truth, and this is just my ego, is I just didn't feel like he had anything to teach me. But I think Mm. that's my bullshit. Um, I think I've put myself in a situation where my truth is that I I have not yet encountered a problem where I didn't know what the next step was. And mm-hmm. um, I know that I would benefit from uh, seeing a professional, but my, but so my community right now is such that I can show up to like 10 different people. And if I it's really like bring my truth, yeah. I'm always working out shit with mm-hmm. my friends, always. Um, yeah. But I'm completely open to it. I just haven't found one. I feel like the podcast is our therapy. We're our therapists. Um, The plant medicine ceremonies are three years of therapy in one night, sometimes 70 years. Um, (laughs) But the other day I was on a date with a guy and he said, oh, yeah, I've got therapy tomorrow. And I just stopped. Like I stopped what I was doing and I just stared at him. Yeah, that's what my thought was. But he was like. Well, not for like a mental condition. Like he was like, because I stared at him so like, and I was like, I feel like I dreamt you into reality. <laughs> for guys listening, just it's so you know. It's the new tall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. That is a quote. That is amazing. amazing. It's the new tall. Yeah. I love and, that. And it's funny. Like I'm actually hearing that from women on dates and mm. I find it deeply attractive too. Mm. Like it just shows like, not only is this person willing to like say yes to looking at any of their shit, but they're willing to admit it. They're on seeking date. to grow. Yeah. yeah, it's like and that. Yeah, it's like you're dope. It's mm. certainly a maturity level too. I mean, I think I of course not everybody gets to that, but a large part of the population, it feels like women. I feel like somewhere around thirty, they start looking in those directions. Men maybe yeah. just a few years after that, but. Sometimes it really takes like a breakup. Or yeah, something sometimes it takes just, yeah. big something to stir yeah. you to do that. But um, and a lot of men have like midlife crisis, which I think is a mm-hmm. awakening, you For know, sure. breakdown. For sure. <laughs> uh, I just that's why I call you know this podcast is like such a bridge. I talked a lot about that on your show, Eric. But finding ways where we can help fellow man like make yeah. it to that other place because it's just. You're just, you don't feel like you're wasting days anymore. It feels like you're living life instead of yeah. just doing the everyday mundane shit. I, I truly believe that if you're willing to speak the truth, mm-hmm. every conversation you have can be therapy. Yeah, we talk about something mm-hmm. a lot. It, it's a mantra, I guess we're going to call it from now on because I keep calling it that. But practice rigorous authenticity, surrender the outcome, do the uncomfortable work, integrate with gratitude. And those steps, those four steps, if you can apply that to your life, I think you're winning. Like, yeah. it's so hard, but mm-hmm. I think you're winning. And it's like, it's not just like it's hard. It's that it's hard at first, and then it becomes a comfortable pain. For that sure. makes sense, right? Yeah, a mm-hmm. thing that I've um, experienced the last couple of years is th- there's this, um, like, a gratitude that comes when you know that you're allowing the pain to actually 
come into the house. Because mm, you it's know? your choice. Right. Because, mm. like, our entire culture teaches you to avoid pain. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's embedded yeah. in our healthcare system. Mask is, it. Yeah, is that if, if, if you're experiencing pain, here's all the techniques that mm-hmm. you should do to not feel pain. Mm-hmm. And, like, even to go back to your dream, like, it's an old idea. If, if a demon is coming to you, invoke a name to repel it. Mm. That is actually psychologically the opposite of right. what you should do to grow and what you should do. And should's the wrong word. Mm-hmm. The way to grow is to allow whatever the emotion is that arises in you to get to arise and to recognize that there's a thing in you that can witness anything, any emotion, and not be broken and not be hurt. And it's the witness or mm-hmm. the watcher or the observer or your higher self, whatever you want to call it. And we make people weaker by teaching them ways to avoid feeling. Mm. Hurt. Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that that calling of your demons, calling its name, could really be twisted the other way where you're calling it in so that you can look at it clearly or you're defining exactly. it specifically so that then you can say, oh, it's right. so-and-so, it's whatever the thing is that is my dis-ease, you know, that I need to look at. And now that I know it has a name and a label, I can do that properly with the right tools. Mm-hmm. And I have the sword to slay the dragon, so to speak. <laughs> so that brings me to this point. <laughs> Very good segue. Damn. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so um, something you and I both know about Jade is that she can channel spirit animals, wise Al. As you know, how are you, right, me? <laughs> and she can channel puns. This is the best. How are you, right, meow? I cannot. Um, she don't oh, give for two. Fuck's sake. She don't give two yeah. fucks. <laughs> I, I said, oh, for fuck's sake! But I accidentally just said fuck. <laughs> I meant to say fox. <laughs> All right, nobody knows what the hell we're talking about. So, <laughs> on with the question. <laughs> um, I think one of the coolest things about that specific ability for her, her being able to channel these spirit animals is how disarming it is, as you saw in play right there, as opposed to just saying, like, I'm a psychic, which usually frightens people, as Mm -hmm. we know. And uh, instead, when she says, I can channel spirit animals, everyone wants to know which animal they are, and it becomes like an invited message through it, right? And people are much more open to something uh, seemingly as harmless as knowing what their animal ally is. Uh, And then once they find out what the meaning of their animal is they're like stoked to be a part of that For specific sure. animal right yeah. like it always ties into something they're like yeah that, that fucking is me okay and then they can kind of embody that piece of them yeah. um they sense they have like a sudden sense of ownership is what i guess i would call it and i've been thinking on that lately and i also started thinking on the other ways we humans use different labels to guide ourselves with and in psychology there's a million different labels that help us with this. But of late, I've been very interested in archetypes, which oh, I know you yes. have. <laughs> You're like, where is this going? <laughs> um, I know you have a super strong knowledge in this. So could we yeah. dive into what archetypes are Absolutely. and how they can play a role in how we define and heal ourselves? For we sure. three are the same. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, for sure, yes. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was Why did curious. you look so Does scared? Does that deeper? <laughs> <laughs> Um, And that was not furious, curiosity. (laughs) So archetypes are one of the most interesting things that I have um, tried to understand in psychology because it 
it straddles the border of um, empirical science and for sure not empirical science. And how I understand what an archetype is, is we are evolved animals and we have instincts and our instincts are completely biologically based. And you can like track like where they arise in the body and what the evolutionary output reason for them existing are. Archetypes is an idea that was put forth by Carl Jung and it's essentially what an instinct is to the body, an archetype is to the mind or the psyche. And um, the way that it's experienced is almost always as a imagistic pattern of action and the way that we've evolved to interpret that type of energy as a character. And so there's this hypothesis that an archetype is essentially like these instinctual psychic characters that all humans have access to and we all have access to all of them but each of us there's a few specific ones that are strongest in our lives and like a really clear example is the moment you give birth to a child there is a thing in you that is activated that is incomprehensible that you don't have to be taught and it's the mother archetype like it's no one, you don't have to go to a class. It is embedded in all of our genes. And even men have an, understand, an understanding of the mother archetype. Like, all these characters are inside of us. And there's a great quote by, I think it's Joseph Campbell, but it's, all the gods of all the religions are here inside of you right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are archetypes. Mm -hmm. hmm. So can you break down the different different archetypes like specifically on your sure. show you call out magician warrior king and yes. lover, lover yes. yeah so um there are essentially an infinite number of mm -hmm. archetypes and you just have like look at all the stories and books and movies that have been created by culture there are an infinite actually the way that i think about it is like um there's one sunlight that can go through a prism and then it can give you all the colors. Mm -hmm. And then those lights can be fragmented more and to give you, you know, there's thousands and thousands of different colors, but there's a few primary colors. And depending on what books you read, there's different arguments for different like core archetypes. The ones that I resonate with the most come from a book called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. And um, I enter, I interchange king for queen if, if I'm speaking with mm -hmm. a woman. And um, essentially, the the way that you can think about it is there are characters inside of you and one for sure is like the ruler and that for us is our ego for for most people most of the time it's the ego the mature version of the ego would be the king or the queen it's the part that looks at all the other parts inside of you mm -hmm. there is a part of you that is a magician there's a part of you that manifests your ideas in the world um but every archetype has a shadow side too. So like the dark magician is the thing that manipulates. It's the thing that um, will reduce other people's freedom to maximize your power. Um, then there's the lover. The lover is the thing that sees the beauty in everything. The mm -hmm. lover is the thing that can walk outside and just look at a tree and start crying. Mm. Uh, the lover is Might the- Might be that. Uh, yeah, for sure, <laughs> we all, yeah, yeah. Um, but the shadow side of the lover is like there's no action ever taken because mm. everything is quote unquote perfect and 
um, the world isn't perfect and that there are things that need to be done. And then the warrior is the thing that creates the boundaries. It's the thing that um, protects the kingdom. And the shadow warrior is one of the most powerful archetypes in our time right now. It's the thing that just conquests to conquests. It's the thing that seeks to win just for the sake of winning. Um, a really interesting distinction that this book makes that I really like is we worship the hero, but they make the argument that the hero is the immature version of the warrior. The hero seeks glory for the hero. The warrior knows how to be heroic in service of the community. Mm. And the example that they give is if there's a warrior and a hero out in battle and they're trying to protect the community, the hero will go do something stupid if he thinks it's brave mm. to prove to himself that he's brave. Mm -hmm. Whereas the warrior might avoid a confrontation now to have a better advantage later mm. in order to protect the children and the old people in the community. Um, the lover needs the warrior to protect its boundaries. Mm -hmm. The king needs the magician in order to manifest things in the world, but also to just not become overruling. Um, I'm reading a book now that's called Awakening the Heroes Within mm -hmm. that makes the argument that there's 12 fundamental archetypes, mm -hmm. and that's a lot to fucking <laughs> dance yeah. with. The only thing that I would add is I think what's really important for those four archetypes is also the fool or the jester. And what the fool slash jester does is it reminds us, and I need this in my life, that it's not so fucking serious. Yeah. And every good king needs a jester to make the king humble because yeah. if there's no jester, the king can I think my son is a jester. Right, and what's beautiful is I think that each individual is a kingdom unto themselves, but then whatever the next unit is in the outer world is the next kingdom, and that's almost always a family. And it's like you give birth mm -hmm. to the other archetypes that you need mm -hmm. to like yeah. bring Yeah, sometimes I'm being kingdom. way too hard on him on something that really doesn't matter, and he'll just look at me and go, like, he'll do something like that while I'm being so mean. Mm -hmm. And he does that, and I'm like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last one is magician. Yeah. Yeah, so king, warrior, magician, lover. And ideally, these four are in balance. And then that gives you... Oh, and each person. Right. Right. So all of us have all of them. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, and what you want for a stable kingdom is the four are actually in balance. Oh, I thought we were all one. So if you over-identify with any of them, you're going to be out of balance. Like a magician, if, if, if the magician... I feel magician, like I over-identify with that one. Um, Don't you? An over-identification over. with the magician, uh, you probably aren't enjoying sunsets that much. Yeah. Uh, you're probably stressed a lot mm -hmm. about, the, about like... For me, I over-identify with the magician. And what that means for me is... I am willing to say no to a beautiful evening with my friends if I feel like I have to finish a work project. Hmm. Um, I'm willing to say no to like those last two hours of a date that you can feel like the magic mm. would really happen because mm. I have to be up early the next morning. Hmm. Um, I can stress about the outcome of a meeting where if my lover was in more balance, I would just have faith that if I showed up and said the truth, whatever happens mm -hmm. is what should happen. Um, there is a mythological motif and I think all myths are a representation of the classical ways that our psyche can get out of balance. 
and there's a old story that is constantly retold where the magician if it becomes the strongest thing in the kingdom it he, he turns into a dark magician and he starts to warp the mind of the king hmm. and this is um the example that comes up is uh lord of the rings Okay. You know, there's the dark version of the magician, and it's been a long time since I've seen those movies. I'm sure there's people listening who know exactly the name of all the characters, <laughs> so I won't get yeah. into the details. But um, the idea is that these four need to be in balance for you to have a harmonious kingdom. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think it's a great guide for me. Yeah. To dance with my uh, inner selves, and so just to give people kind of a really practical, like how this dance looks. Yeah. Yes. Um, I've given names to my king warrior, magician, lover. My king, I call Eric because that's what I want my ego uh-huh. to be. My warrior is this big blue wolf and his name is Fenrir. And that's from Norse mythology. Mm. Um, my magician is Dr. Manhattan from the movie Watchmen. Mm. And my lover is this weird mix of V from V for Vendetta with this just like golden dancing goddess. Mm. And um, I will journal to them like at least once a week about whatever is mm. happening in my life. And it actually comes up a lot when I'm having tough conversations with someone. Like I will tell them, uh, my king feels this. Mm. My lover feels this about this. Mm. My warrior feels like I should tell you to fuck off. Mm-hmm. But my lover says that I want to try to work this out. And I find it's an amazing yeah. way to communicate with people. Because yeah. like, when you get to a really sticky part in a conversation with someone that you love, mm-hmm. part of what makes care. it sticky is that a part of you wants to say, fuck you. Right. And a part of you wants to say, God, just hug me. And yeah. a part of you says, I think we really need to talk about how this looks in the future. And like, that's the king, that's the lover, that's the warrior, you know? Yeah. These last couple of weeks I've been saying my wave, the wave in me mm. yeah, feels this way, me. but because I aspire to be an anchor, this is also what I'm feeling and what I want to express. So I, I imagine if I'm also going to add in yeah. those four, it's going to be like, and your hormones. how many people are <laughs> yeah. I dealing with? <laughs> I know. That's what I said. We have <laughs> the weirdest girl to date <laughs> ever. Um, Only if they're not on that journey. With but you. how has this come to play in your romantic life? Yeah, For sure. Um, Being a magician, especially because we know, tend to want to, f- what? I was just going to say that, first of all, I want to know how to, how, so you, you can, name each thing that's kind of popping up for you but how do you go about balancing them like right. how yeah, do you that's a good what one. is the shadow i guess of each and how mm-hmm. do you take that and recognize when it's one or the other it's yeah. coming from for sure so um the way to really answer this question would be to really look at the specifics of your individual life but for people um like a practice that you can do without me knowing the intricacies of your life is you can journal and you can literally write down, like, um, what part of me doesn't feel heard? Mm-hmm. And then that part w- that part might come forward. Like, if it doesn't really think that you're ready to talk to it, yeah. it won't come forward. But mm-hmm. you know you're out of balance if, um, if there is a part of you that you won't look at. That hmm. part is probably repressed. Mm-hmm. And if that part is repressed, it's waiting in the motherfucking shadows for you to do something stupid. And then it's going to try to take the throne. And like what that looks like is if you're avoiding a tough conversation with your boss and Mm -hmm. then you have a um, work outing and you get drunk, you're going to say that you might say Mm -hmm. some dumb shit in a dumb way that just kind of fucks up the whole container. 
but it's because you repressed that part and it just stayed in the shadows yeah. and it just waited for you to fucking go to the bathroom so it could get on the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, a good thing that you can do if you feel out of balance is to journal and then to ask, like, what part feels unhurt? And then it might not say anything. And then you might have to write down again. Uh, I am here. I want to hear you. And, like, really embody your queen energy. And it will probably come forward. Hmm. And when it comes forward, it will probably say, like, um, I don't want to talk to you because you won't listen. Like, who knows what the vibe will be? And the way you balance is essentially you channel the king or queen energy and you hear what this part has to say and then you make a compromise. Like maybe the warrior in you wants to go fucking shit on your boss's desk. <laughs> that's not the way. Yeah. But you I know someone who pissed on their boss's desk. <laughs> it made me laugh. <laughs> that's because the warrior got repressed for a long time. Uh, the compromise could be like hear out what that part of you has to say. And then you can make the compromise of, okay, I'm going to write this email to my boss. I, I will address this, this, and this, and I will send it Monday. Will you please relax? You know, and then that part will be like, we'll see if you do it. You know, and then you do it. Yeah. And this is a constant dance. Like, I really do believe, or the model that I use is my psyche. Have you guys seen the movie Inside Out? I think is what it's called. It's the children's movie. Mm-mm. I think I might be saying the name wrong. Mm-mm. It's the one where there's the five emotions. Mm-mm. No. Oh my God! That sounds great for you ch- guys. Have, it's a children's yes, movie too. That's and it's, amazing. It's an amazing hmm. psychological movie. I think hmm. it's called Inside Out. <laughs> Fascinating, but um, I really see my psyche kind of like that, but I make it way more dramatic because I'm dramatic, and I see it as a huge throne room, almost like a Game of Thrones type throne room, and I have these characters inside, and like I have to keep the order weekly. Like I check in all the time. Mm-hmm. And I try to hear what they have to say. And then I try to make course corrections every week. Like, for example, um, the last couple of months, I've really wanted to bring forth my warrior more. And so I've been working out more and I've been doing kickboxing. Mm. And, like, that was a result of me hearing it out. Like, I could feel it. He was pissed. He was like, mm. you are not fucking honoring mm-hmm. me, you know. And then started to punch shit and I feel a lot better. Those mm. are great ways to balance, Yeah. I feel it does go in line, too, with all the other ways that we can label ourselves. Feminine and masculine, so many labels. Totally, yeah. yeah. Alpha Omega and the, the even the, the relationship styles mm-hmm. you're talking about and, of course, hormones. <laughs> because, and I mean, you're talking about the warrior who's obviously plays a very masculine role sure. and you're needing to do mm-hmm. stuff that brings out testosterone. And I'm just thinking about this now, but I'm willing to bet that if we had people now who academically researched this and had the budget, you could probably find that the major archetypes correspond to major hormones. A hundred. Like the mm-hmm. lover, for sure. Feminine. Oxytocin. Mm-hmm. Mm. The warrior, for sure. Mm-hmm. Testosterone. Mm-hmm. Uh, king in, in energy might be dopamine. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I'm just mm-hmm. saying that Jung did his best without having the type of right. biological knowledge we have now. Yeah. A part of me mm-hmm. is really excited to like, as I, so this is kind of a tangent, but I thought a long time about going and getting a PhD mm-hmm. and um, I decided to not get a PhD because the funding depends on you getting grants from either rich people or the government or some type of military. And that's like all the funding for science and our culture is dependent on other people giving these people money. And mm. so it really dictates the type of research that gets done. Mm. Um, one of my aspirations is to be able to run a business well enough that I can fund my own research. Mm-hmm. 
and like a part of what I want to research is like what is the physiological basis of archetypes and this is just an idea that's kind of coming to me now but that the major hormones that we have coursing through our body I think correspond to the major archetypes fuck mm-hmm. yeah I love that that's you know well you know you guys know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know and then how about how they come into play with um, our lovers yeah uh, what's what how can you ask that more specifically? Archetypes mm-hmm. specifically, maybe. So like a magician <coughs> tends to try to fix their lovers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Right? So, yeah. so Chris, how do, what do you think? How, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how can we... Identify theirs, maybe? Y- well, yeah, but also like what does each do in relationships and mm-hmm. how can we um, balance them more in relationships? Would it be the same tools or... Yeah, so my invitation here is... I guess awareness. Uh, it's the magician in you that wants to ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> and my invitation would be um, authentically open your heart, share your truth, and just pay attention to what happens and just don't overthink it. Which is the lover? You're overthinking it. <laughs> just, 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 so all of these are models. All of these are maps. Uh-huh. And the the thing that a map is doing for you is it helps you get to a destination. Mm-hmm. But at any moment on the journey, you're actually already in the forest. And so the maps are cool, but... Stand in the gray. Right. <laughs> Just like put the map in your backpack mm-hmm. and be in the forest. And like when it comes to relationships, like try not to overthink it mm-hmm. and just be. And truly the way forward is do whatever practice you need to do to cultivate awareness mm. in the moment, which that might be to meditate or to eat mushrooms or whatever it is. <laughs> and then if you have awareness, then just pay attention to what happens inside of you as you're interacting with your partner. And then just speak the truth. And I, I, I think it's, it's, it's that simple. You know what I'm, what's coming up for me when we're talking about this is for women... Mm-hmm. And why Jade's probably having a hard time with this. Why all women probably listening are like, yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a clock that we're right. very aware of, even right. when we pretend we're not. Yeah. And men don't really have to think about that. Yeah. And when we have to think about that, that means we don't have time to fuck around, like, just see if this partner works out. Yeah. Like, we need to know now, figure that out, quick, uh-huh. get on with the next if that's yeah. not going to be what we want. Plus, yeah. if we have, you know, maybe we have, maybe we have kids and we For don't sure. want to introduce these people into their lives. You know, there's I all totally these different that. variables that yeah. come in, and especially as a protective For mom sure. or as a woman with a ticking clock or whatever, sure. you don't want to waste that type of time just figuring shit out. Because sure. figuring shit out right. and standing in the gray or standing in the forest and being just in the moment feels I scary. Heard. So I have a good story <laughs> here. Um, I recently got out of a relationship and I started uh, like dating again. And it felt like I had an eight-month relationship in 11 days. Mm. And the reason it happened was because we were blisteringly honest right away. And it led to a very uncomfortable conversation after 11 days. But um, I've now completely worked through that dance. And like, I now, I now have more clarity about what I want. Mm-hmm. And so the invitation here is everything that you just articulated. Do you recommend that or you don't? I recommend that. <laughs> I recommend because that. Because I'm blistering on us. Right. Is that what you called it? Yes. Yeah. So, um, 
the more so okay the implicit thing that i hear in what you're saying is that there's most people's strategy when they're in that situation is to try to strategize Mm -hmm. about how to be in order to as quickly find the right dance because there is a clock my approach or my recommendation and i'm a 28 year old guy so i might just fucking ignore me but this is my (laughs) recommendation which is if you're completely honest about that shit you are going to burn through anyone Mm -hmm. that it doesn't resonate with and you can fucking burn through on the first motherfucking day my coworkers constantly give me shit about Mm -hmm. uh the type of things that i talk about on a first date they're like dude no i do the same thing (laughs) no like i have a list of 16 traits that i'm looking for in a partner (laughs) and i don't want to waste either of our time so (laughs) right (laughs) she does that (laughs) and the thing there is um it's a scarcity mindset Uh that you feel Mm, like if if you think that you have to (laughs) strategize about like how can I slowly reveal my truth to this person right. to maximize the chance of them staying when they see mm, the full yes. truth? And an abandonment thing there, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 I think it's, but again, I totally recognize that my position is a 28-year-old man and that most people listening might be like, you sound smart, but fuck you. Yeah, like, you got no. the fucking whole world ahead of you. Right, really should have yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I also hear what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I 100% hear what you're saying. If you practice the four steps, you know, practice rigorous authenticity, surrender the outcome, which is how that happens. For sure. And then you stand in that shit because if it's hmm. if it's not fun, you got to do that uncomfortable work like you just had yeah. to, right? And the one caveat that I would offer is um, my ethos is uh, speak and act my truth in love. Mm. And so if there's something about the energy on the first date where if you're just mm-hmm. – smashing yes. them with your truth mm-hmm. you can that. feel that it's not in love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you can slowly like basically the way that i approach it is i have no plan about what i'm going to tell them on the first day but anything that organically arises in me mm-hmm. when we're having a conversation my guiding light is i'm gonna say it mm-hmm. and so it's not like i like um one of my old partners, we tried to, like, stay in this weird, unofficial, open thing for a year because I was too weak to, like, really officially, like, say, like, hey, I can feel that I'm not attracted to you like that. Mm-hmm. We went to dinner one day. It was not planned. And it just kind of came up, like, uh, I love you, but I'm not in love with you anymore. Wow. And mm-hmm. she's, she was pissed at me for a year that I did it mm-hmm. at a restaurant. But it's like that was not yeah. mm-hmm. the plan. It came up. Mm-hmm. And it was time honest, yeah. you know? Um, and so, like, when I hear, like, uh, where I'm at right now is trying not to use any map before or yeah. when what you could be is touching the tree. Mm. And then just feel what you feel mm. when you touch the tree. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it feels authentic to say, wow, I really like this branch, you just fucking yeah. say it. Instead of saying, I think I'm coming into my king. balance there. Because I do feel really in my heart, but I'm, I feel like it's so open that the truth is just constantly coming out without it being planned. But it's, it is a wave. Yeah, <laughs> um, but speaking on that, yeah. y- your last point, um, last time you were on our show, you were experimenting with open relationships and all the ways in which that style of relationship mm-hmm. asks you over and over again to check your ego. 
So catch us up to speed on what you've come through and where you're at now sure. on all of that. Yeah. Um, I did open for about six months, and then I did MDMA alone, like in the MAPS protocol way, because I could feel that some mm-hmm. things were off. And um, the thing that I recognized is that by doing open from the beginning, all of these relationships, I wasn't allowing myself to really get invested with any of them. Mm. Um I was being honest with them, but I could feel that like the reason I was doing open was because I wanted to expose what are my stories around being in love Mm -hmm. and I wanted to challenge them. And what I found by being open is that I wasn't even letting anyone close enough to activate Mm. any of my guards. Mm. And it's Mm. funny, I did the MDMA, I realized this, and then over the next three days, each of the relationships, they quote unquote broke up with me. And they all kind of said the same thing, like, I really love being with you, I want to be monogamous with you, I know you don't want that, this isn't good for me. Hmm. And I was like, the universe is weird, I don't know what the (laughs) fuck that was. (laughs) So um, I didn't put any effort into dating for a while. And then I started saying a prayer uh, for like six weeks. I kept saying the prayer. Um, please bring whatever relationship into my life I need to face in order to become the man to bring my children mm-hmm. into the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I met someone uh, through um, Instagram, basically, and I had a dream. It's a good dating app. It's it's strong. It's a strong um, dating app. Um, and then I had a dream that I shared. So there's a level of detail here that I don't want to share to protect mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. and, like, who she is, but um, this is something that I can feel I'm going to struggle with going forward, okay. just in my life, because like I'm going to share my shit, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, whoever is dating me, like yeah. I'm trying to find like how can I be completely authentic with my That's expression, but also protect their yeah, come life. at it with love, like right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, we connected, uh, we started dating, and. Originally, what I was trying to learn through open relationship, I learned through a monogamous relationship because Mm. I allowed myself to really fucking fall in Mm. love. And I've really only deeply fallen in love once before, and my level of awareness was just so not where it is now. And so um, after about like three or four month mark, I really felt myself like fall in love. And I was Mm. like, this might be the woman that I have children with. Mm -hmm. And... um, I, I got to feel my guards activate. Like the moment mm. that I like. Had that fantasy. Right. And I know exactly <laughs> what the moment was in the relationship where that switch happened. Um, I was trying to park downtown and I couldn't find a parking spot and she was giving me shit and it was upsetting me. And we finally parked and I told her to her face like, I'm frustrated with you right now, I don't wanna talk. And because of the relationship that I had with my mom, I had never allowed myself to be angry at my mom. And um, this was the first time that, I've, that I allowed myself to be honest with my partner and say like, I'm upset. Mm-hmm. And, she ha- and she just handled it like a fucking G. And I was like, and um, because it was received and I was able to articulate it, I could feel like there was this like inner boy that was like, oh my God, I can come out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, I felt myself really fall for her in that moment. Um, but then long story short, we broke up. It was devastating the way it happened. Um, I experienced my like first 
bout of depression in my life. I've never been depressed mm. before, and it was very minor, but it was really good for me to feel that. And um, there's a level of detail about what I realized that I don't feel like I can share, mm -hmm. but um, the monogamous relationship exposed to me all the things that I was wishing that open would show me. And mm -hmm. now I have like a list of like hmm. nine things that I'm gonna bring with me when I go do ayahuasca in a couple of months. Mm -hmm. At Soltara? Yeah. Why do you think when you were falling in love, why do you think your guards activated instead of dropped? Because I feel like sometimes it's when you fall in love that your guards drop instead. So um, the moment I felt myself fall in love, it activated the pattern that I had with my mom. Mm. So all of hmm. us, we have a primary loving relationship with almost always the parent of the opposite gender. And we download a story about who the other is and how we have to be in relationship to the other. Mm -hmm. And to protect my mom's privacy, um, there was a very specific sequence of actions that happened when I was a child that I did not realize until mm -hmm. just two months ago that I project this story onto my partner the moment that I really fall in love. And that hmm. activates these guards that my childhood self had after there was a fallout in the family because of this story. And I wish I could be more candid about exactly what it is, mm -hmm. but I feel like in order for my partner's privacy and my mom's privacy, I can't get into mm -hmm. the details, which kind of makes me upset. I wish I could. Uh, Maybe I you'll find a way. Yeah, I think it would help a lot of people to hear the specifics. Mm -hmm. But essentially... I felt betrayed by my mom as a child, mm -hmm. and that betrayal activated these guards. When I'm in a relationship and my heart is not completely vulnerable, the guards don't have anything to do. Mm. But the moment I really felt myself be in that vulnerable state like I was as a child with my mother, the guards were like, oh shit, we gotta, mm. you know, step Protect. up. Yeah. And you said that it, the breakup was devastating, and we brought up earlier how we try to our culture teaches us to not mm -hmm. feel pain. So it's um, in our lizard brains, you know. Our, that's our what oh comes for sure, up for yeah. me the most when I'm falling in love, though, is like instead, it is a sense of guards, but it's like, okay, but is this going to bring me pain? Is this going to mm -hmm. bring me pain? You know, because that's, so I guess that is a way of guards coming up too because you're like making sure you're safe. Yeah, and what was odd is, um, my guards manifested themselves as just an irrational fear that actually turned out to be a self-fulfilling prophecy because mm. exactly the thing that I started to fear is what happened right. is why we broke up, which is a whole fucking thing. Um, but so the place where I felt the question was going or maybe where I was hoping my ego or my ego was hoping it would go is so um, instead of running away, how do you lean in? And essentially, um, I have this irrational faith that if I speak and act my truth to the best of my ability, that whatever happens is the best possible thing that can happen. So even though I started to have this fear that it would end like this, I still showed up completely. Mm -hmm. I still complete heart open, just showing it was up. worth it. Right. And then the breakup was super painful. But um, I think we were talking about this on my podcast earlier, mm -hmm. but... There's this thing that happens that when you feel deep pain 
and you can feel that you're not running from it and you're mm-hmm. actually like allowing it to come in and like have tea with you there's this voice in the back of my head that was just like so proud of me mm-hmm. and just felt like the most loving energy as I'm weeping mm-hmm. in the car just fucking weeping and um, I think that whatever the emotion is that you're running from if you really connected to it and let it fucking burn you like mm-hmm. I think um, one of the things that one of the thoughts I had while I was going through this period was I think grief is how we digest attachments and I think that when something happens where you realize that you have to release your attachments to this person the way that you process that is through like weeping yes mm-hmm. there's a like, mourning process yeah of that. Mm-hmm. and so I just let myself cry for like five days and I journal mm-hmm. a lot and then I shared my honest truth with my closest friends and that also helped really digest it and this is someone that you loved for sure yeah still love. what does um you posted about it and it really hit us we talked about it for a couple of days about what you felt that meant to you the words i love you yeah um or what you realized right yeah. the thing that i recognized is that Once I started, so for the first like four months, it was like the honeymoon feeling. Yeah. And then the last month, it got weird. And I could, and I could feel that the way that I was saying I love you in that last month was really like, I truly loved her. And I still can claim that I do love her. But I recognize that the way that I was using the term I love you felt like this like starved, needy ego thing saying mm. validate me the way you used mm. to and that's the reason why it got weird you feel no oh. so it got weird for um it, it got weird because i think some truths came up and we didn't want to face the truths mm. um but a reaction to her pulling away mm. was the ego being like i could feel that the way that i was saying i love you was not coming from this place of like i am a king unto myself and I'm sharing my blessings. It was more like, mm. I need you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think whenever we experience like a traumatic um, happening in one of our intimate relationships, it's like, like whether you're getting, when someone betrays you by lying to you, cheating or whatever it is that causes you to go, holy shit, this person isn't who I fantasize them For to sure. be. For um, sure. All you want in that moment is for them to be that person you were fantasizing. Like, right. pretend for yeah. a second so I don't have to feel this way that you are this other thing. Right. Which uh, was another part of the post that Jade was talking about. You said um, letting, I think this is you, mm-hmm. how many of us let our partner's potential blind us from their actuality. Yeah. And that's the sad truth, you know? Yeah. Like, And I was talking also earlier to you about when the glass shatters between fantasy and reality and like needing to step into actuality instead of always living in this fantasy world because it as much as it allows us to envision what we want for our future you know Mm -hmm. what we want our future to look like like you want to have these kids with this trustworthy person and you know you want all these things that you envision since a young child but what is real you know is important because otherwise you end up heartbroken over and over again yep yeah but do you think that's always the case um, the I love you meaning that no. or okay so it was no. just in this situation right. and I do think that um, I could have clarified more 
but there's a fucking character limit and I reached it. Uh, <laughs> well, when you, I sent that to my mentor, Tom, and I was like, I guess I've never loved anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I sent you his response. For so, sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I want to clarify, because um, she even interpreted that as me mm. saying that I never loved her, and that's not the truth. Um, the truth is that you can get to a point where you can feel in your heart that when you're saying those words mm-hmm. is because you mm-hmm. want validation as opposed to if there's any expectation on you, like you can, th- I can feel it in my body, especially mm-hmm. when I'm tapped in. Uh-huh. If I say I love you, there's a part of me that's waiting for you to say it back. Mm-hmm. Whenever you feel that, I think there's ego there. Mm-hmm. And there for sure are times when I say I love you and I do not feel that thing that needs to hear it back or mm-hmm. even wants to. Like, it's just energetically coming from a different place. And the last month when I was trying to re- like I was trying to force the reconnection, a lot of the I loves you were. Mm-hmm. We even talked about that with I miss you, that you, yeah. you kind of just want to know the they same. miss you too, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And like you, you need me too, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. A really tough thing is um, after the relationship ended, she said, I miss you a couple of times, and it wasn't my truth to say it back. And yeah. it was, you know, mm. weird. Yeah. And you miss the validation, but mm-hmm. you don't actually miss whatever the, f- the f- it was the a fantasy was, and now right. you know it's right. not yeah. I'm curious that. really quickly how um, your frustration in the car was handled uh, that made you feel safe what do you mean hmm? like you said she handled it like a G were your words oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, was it because she just validated your feelings or no, it's because I was projecting my mom mm. onto her mm-hmm. and my mom's response as I remember it from the viewpoint of a boy was if I had said that, it would have really have like upset her and then I would have felt like I was wrong even though the situation felt like it was unfair to mm-hmm. me as a child. And so just to witness her, just be like, oh, like just it didn't phase her. Mm. It broke the projection that I was projecting onto her that my beloved is like my mom. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And like, so there's this thing in Jungian psychology Mm -hmm. called an anima or an animus projection. Every single one of us, when we meet someone that we're attracted to, we cannot help but project this idea of what our beloved is onto them. And your first six months with someone is basically you trying to wade through that projection to see what the fuck they look like. And- um, Even in our speed of things? (laughs) I mean, my past relationship would say yes. Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, the, and it's just a part of dating. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, just, it's a part of relating. Like, a hu- you don't even know who the fuck you are. Mm-hmm. So when you meet somebody else, like, y- good luck. Like, you have to yeah. project this idea of who you think they are in order to even fucking, like, go get pizza. You know, mm-hmm. like, you, you have That's to so have true. this. Yeah. That sounds so lonely, though. Sounds like, how do we... The only, it's, I don't know, I guess it seems like the only option is to find someone who's already done all this work, but that's like, so come on. The, <laughs> I think the Wu Wei here, or the Aikido move, is uh-huh. like what we were talking about earlier. You have a f- motherfucking kingdom inside of you. Mm-hmm. Like, you are not alone. And I think we try to fill the hole inside of us that can only be filled by us getting to know our inner kingdom by the relationship. And I think that's why it feels lonely because we're trying to fill this thing inside of mm-hmm. us by some other person. When really, like, 
the the Aikido hip toss is you have gods inside of you and if you really connect to those things and you bring order to your inner psyche Mm -hmm. people are going to want to be around you Mm -hmm. and your ability to see the truth of people will be more clear and you're you will have a community around you you will have a tribe around you there's almost no way to be a person in this world if you've brought order to your inner life for people not to want to be with you and like it doesn't even have to be romantic just Mm -hmm. like you will not be alone and your truths that caused her to push away the truths that you expressed how do you how did you feel about those truths after i don't regret anything um i think what happened is the nature of the type of person that i am i asked i asked some questions that i think touched on some things that um i i think the thing that i would do differently and this is something that like, if you are a therapist, you are taught to just because you see the truth in your client, you don't mm-hmm. articulate it before. Your job is to help them bring it forward. Mm. And that's where, I think that's where I fucked up. I think I saw a couple of things and I just asked the question too directly. Mm. And I think I brought her, I forced her awareness to a couple of things that was not my place to bring awareness to magician style i was gonna say you're a forceful magician for sure and that is the thing that if i could go back that would be the thing that i would do differently soften Mm. that approach yeah yes so how does a good therapist make like how does a good magician weave that in while keeping their king you know yeah what balance yeah <laughs> Speaking what she all said, these arch- <laughs> these, all these architects. But yeah, how do you? Because that, that is balance that the, is really hard. That's all of in us. our relationships. Um, I think, and I can only answer for this specific situation and for my approach. But if I, ha- I think I need the thing in me that needs to bring balance to the other three is I need to bring my lover and my warrior mm. forward more. I think my king and my magician are fucking just loving it yeah but my warrior can come forward and actually like um rein in the magician but the thing about the lover is like it's just if even for every four really deep conversations i had with her if i just had one playful loving like just let's just fucking be goofy and just no psychoanalysis (laughs) i think it would be a very very different relationship but I was fucking coming with the magician yeah. every motherfucking day for <laughs> yeah. like an hour. We said, both of us said the last time we interviewed you that that's how we are. Um, but I honestly think my magician's getting tired I <laughs> and my lover is ready to play. Right, right. <laughs> so. And I feel the same way. Like, I, I really feel Sorry that to the other guys. <laughs> one of the things that this relationship Previous. reflected is like the lover needs to play more and the warrior needs to be able to just say no to shit. Boundaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like magician doesn't have good boundaries either. They're just like, let's go figure this let's all out. Let's go fix out. everything, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I think it's becoming a single mom that's made my magician tired because I don't, I don't have the mental energy, for energy yeah. and capacity for it. So now I'm like gre- greeting my lover. Yeah, like you know? let things happen as they will. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Give up some control. Um, I was actually, I had told Mercedes, because I'm always the one that's like, we got to read this book, and there's exercises in the back, <laughs> and then I need to know this about you and all these things. Yeah. And um, I mentioned how I have that list, and then I ended up 
dating someone that also had a list and then he was like well and then we also need a list for blended families and I was like I'm a little tired I'm usually (laughs) the one that's asking to do all this and so um it was especially nice I don't think he's a magician but it was especially nice to have someone else present the work instead of and and like okay and this is another way we can grow it was it was really nice and refreshing because then it kind of allowed me to just sit back yeah Yeah, and I think that that is another reason why my lover is getting in the that's so funny like a taste how a taste of your own medicine can sometimes be like oh both you got this and also you're annoying like I need to chill out on mine no I liked it but I also (laughs) was like yeah but not right now no I know what you mean yeah yeah. you're kind of it makes you look at yourself and go yeah I do that all the time yeah and the thing that I find is it's almost like uh, however your previous partner was that you were aggravated at, mm. it's I see this poetic pattern where then whatever my next relationship is, I get to see how I seemed to my past partner and it gives me so much empathy. What do you mean? So for example, um, if in the previous relationship I was always the one seeking, mm-hmm. And then in a new relationship, I'm always the one being sought. Like, it shows me how Mm. it feels to be sought and how there's these pros and cons of like, Mm. oh, I I really like this part of being sought, but I don't really like this. And it gives me a whole new perspective on what it feels like as the one being sought as opposed to being the one seeking. Hmm. Usually we use the word seeking so differently, so it took me a minute. Mm. But yeah, uh, that is interesting. I, I guess to be humbling even, or right, yeah. it for sure is humbling. I haven't grasped it yet, but I will. So, <laughs> so my previous partner never wanted to grow, mm-hmm. um, but he's talking about: Are you chasing, or are they chasing you? I do think I can give you an example that work. Okay, so it's like if you're used to being a wave, and mm-hmm. you're and with my an partner island, was an island, right? Yeah. Um, what I find is that you get a relationship where the way they are, the wave they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> brings out the island characteristics in you and you start to understand like why an island would choose to be an island sometimes Mm -hmm. or how about (laughs) or how about (laughs) or how about i'm a wave that finds an anchor and i slowly move into anchor Mm -hmm. but you don't move into anchor because you're with an anchor sometimes anchor makes you go but my wave an island makes you so much of a wave that sometimes when you're with an anchor, you kind of ha- like you're not crashing into the island. You're just able to like. Yeah. So the point that I'm trying to make is as a wave, you can find a story about why an island is bad. About like you don't have empathy for why an right. island would be an island. Mm-hmm. And then you get a relationship where you find that you genuinely feel like you're taking on characteristics of being an island and it gives you empathy for a past partner. It tastes mm-hmm. your own medicine again. Right. It's like just being able to find, those are the, the, the mirrors that our partners play for right. us. Like yeah. how they start essentially acting just like us and mm-hmm. it pisses us fucking off. We're like, why are you such an asshole? You're like, because you're an asshole. But how, you know, and then you have to look deeply into why that thing they do pisses you off because it sure. lives in you in some way. I think way the only reason it. why I'm struggling with applying it is because my last relationship was so toxic and yeah. uh, full of addictions. Maybe if it were not, then I could, you know. So the thing that I can offer is um, one of my past partners, their partner right before me, toxic addictions, 
and she was always the one trying to connect with him and mm-hmm. he was the one that was just all fucked up in our relationship when it, it started to get bad mm-hmm. i started to reach in the way that she felt she reached to him mm-hmm. and she started to feel how uncomfortable mm-hmm. it felt oh. and so it completely revolutionized the way that she it saw wasn't refreshing for her Right. Some reason. Well, it like probably it. was at first, but then she needed to embody that toxic personality that she'd experienced before to see that side mm. of things. Because hmm. essentially what it was is if you're not going to speak your truth, you get uncomfortable and guilty and you start to pull away. Mm-hmm. And if mm. you're resolute and not wanting to face that thing, the person over grasping just starts to make you like disgusted. But you're manifesting the worst thing possible because you're not speaking your truth. So your truth always rises to the top, right? So even if you're not going to ever, ever speak it and you're just going to keep it down, keep it down, it's going to literally manifest as the end of how your relationship ended. Literally, your biggest fear manifested. Mm. The thing that you most feared essentially manifested and I don't know that it was because you weren't speaking your truth or whatever, but just as an, that's what I'm pulling from. No, I know. I think, I think this makes sense, but I think, and I do express my truth so much and overly, but um, like in this current situation where I am a wave and this person's an anchor, when I got triggered, I did become an island, like my past mm. relationship. Mm-hmm. And because he was still an anchor, but expressed some wave tendencies, to me, it made me feel safe and I came even more into an anchor-like communication style. Sure. Yes. And so that's yes. why I think I'm not resonating because I'm like, to me, it made me meet Move him, him. Mm-hmm. instead of, and so I did feel like what it felt like to be an island, but I didn't like it and I, I liked how he made me feel safe to come into this. The, I, which is yeah, because you're aware enough. Things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. But this is beautiful and I think that one of the most beautiful things about relationships, both romantic and friendly, is um, your being tunes the people around you. Mm-hmm. And an anchor, quote unquote, like really what that is, is just owning your shit, not projecting or blaming it on someone else and speaking your truth. And I, I see that as like we are all instruments playing mm-hmm. a tune. And I think the most effective way that you can improve the world is to fucking tune Mm. your own shit Mm. and your tuned instrument has an effect on every person that you interact with and every Mm -hmm. time we communicate we're playing our song for sure and um it does it does change the people who are ready to be changed by it yeah being a light and so congratulations on (laughs) yeah congratulations on showing up for yourself Um, i don't know guys you don't get it (laughs) (laughs) no but i do i do get what you're the conflict mm-hmm. there and I think that because you're aware now you're able to see where you're like oh yeah when he shows you something you don't just react you know instead you actually take it in and you go okay what's actually going on here I see him being triggered let me figure mm-hmm. this thing out which most people do not do and and I know we're, this is we're, we're going on here but for example in my last relationship I was with an anchor and I'm mm-hmm, a wave. Mm-hmm. And by the way, anyone listening, if you're like, God, go listen to our Peter Craig episode. Yeah, you're, we're talking about anchors, waves, and islands. And you're like, what in the hell are these people talking about? L- uh, read Stan Tackett's Your Brain book, on Love. Wired for Love. Your Brain on Love talks about those three, though. It's the intro, and it's a very short, easy book. Either of those books will work. And Peter Craig's interview from, I don't know what number that was, but a while mm-hmm. back. 
any hoosers. So I, <laughs> I was with an anchor, but I was a wave, not aware, mm-hmm. completely didn't even know these terms at the time. And what that brought up for me was basically triggered me to go to point a finger at him, like something's wrong with you. We don't have the right chemistry. We're not aligned somewhere or another. This just doesn't feel right for me. And essentially it was his family was too perfect. He was too perfect. All the things mm-hmm. that like a parent would be like, that's the guy, you know, God, were in line. And I was like, fuck no, this mm-hmm. isn't for me. I need someone who's more, you know, edgy and and uh, passionate and all these words that to me meant something. But what it really was, was that he was just opening these wounds about how much I did not that have makes my so much together. sense because while you were dating him I was dating that Bellator fighter that was the same and because I was unaware like you were oh yeah we were like no thanks I saw I saw sabotaged it this yeah. is good medicine because this is <laughs> my last relationship mm. this is it huh yeah yeah so I wrote him a mm. letter recently wow yeah and it was like basically I'm super sorry that I was this piece of shit person I obviously was doing it unconsciously but doesn't excuse the fact that you were damaged by it and uh, you know thank you I'm sorry I love you essentially and yeah (laughs) yeah and um, so I hope that brings him healing but it definitely brought me healing more you know that's what's important I guess in my life myself (laughs) 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 so Eric as you know we like to end our show with a few short questions. I hope we can compare these. And to you've last answered time these. Think about it. You know before, but we you might have different answers now. Um, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where you're at on these today. So yeah. first, yes. What would you if you could hug your younger self? We tweaked it a bit. Yeah, okay. if you could hug your younger self. Last time it was if you could hug your 25 year old self. So okay. this is younger self at any age. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Tell the truth, do the shit that you're afraid to do, and try to think a little bit less and feel a little bit more. Hmm. That's good. I right now. Still, I don't remember what was his last year. Was you your younger last self time? last year, or was it when you were younger? Uh, no, I, th- I, I thought of a teenager. I don't know. I didn't think of the exact age, maybe mm. 16. Okay, that's good. Do you remember what you said last time? Probably uh, tell the truth. Yeah. It was Tell the Truth, yeah. actually. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Fuck. It's <laughs> a great book. <laughs> Lots of highs and lows. Um, hmm. The Artist's Way. Mm-hmm. Just lead you right into journaling that book. Yep. <laughs> I know your tricks. <laughs> um, if you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would you say? It's going to be a long whisper. Cool. Um, it was last time, too. Okay, good. Uh, there is a thing inside of you that feels like God and it is your potential and it is asking you to go on a heroic journey to transform who you are into it and it is the most important thing that you can do in this life. 
Mm-hmm. That is almost verbatim what you said last time. Well, that's <laughs> crazy. really good. I need to I, fucking grow I a little bit. I think you said <laughs> no. No, it's I love it because um, it it still means something different to you hearing it now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I I can't remember the book, but it may have been the artist way then. Yeah, I have now ordered. The erotic mind twice, <laughs> and it has not arrived. Yeah, that's a good story. And I've gotten <laughs> it has not arrived, and I feel like the universe is like, it's not going to happen for you. Here's your money back. Stop asking. Yeah, like but I one. took an eight month sabbatical, and then I think that when the eight months ended, I was like, give me all the sex. I need to improve on all the sex. You mean and abstinence, right? Abstinence. Okay. What's a sabbatical? Well, you could say sabbatical from, celibacy. from celibacy. Celibacy. <laughs> Yeah, I took a eight month celibacy period. Okay, um, and then I went overboard, I think, on trying to catch up, and um, I think that that was like the reminder of like chill out, like just let it happen calmly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you don't have to read all the books now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back in business, baby. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Here I am, yeah. universe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we talked a lot about your podcast already, but where can people go to find you out there in the world? Um, if you want to get on my newsletter, ericgassi.com. I'm on Instagram. I so good. write some things there. Thank you. And uh, the podcast, The Myths That Make Us. Yes. Who and has been your most, um, like, I wouldn't say your favorite myth, but mm. like some of our favorite episodes, it's you, Tom Shadiak, and probably Peter Craig. What would yours be? <sighs> Jade's was fucking good, let's not lie. Kyle's is good too. Yeah, to be honest, I think I uh the ones that I enjoy the most are the ones where I feel like the guest has the biggest breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And yours is absolutely up there, Kyle's is up there, Aubrey's is up there, um, Holly's is up there. Uh but to be honest. Natasha's is really fucking good. That one's coming out. You haven't out, aired so it yet, though. No. Yeah. Um, almost all the ones that I do in person. Like, mm-hmm. I really don't have a favorite. Um, I really... I rate internally the success of the podcast about basically uh, how deeply I saw that they had, like, a oh moment. Mm. Mm. And that almost always comes with tears. Hmm. So um, there are some good ones today. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of tears today. <laughs> Emotionally exhausted. I, I we've had morning. some guests make me cry on the show. Yeah. So I think I yeah, think I, I don't know if I, I related cried. to that and maybe goosebumps and. I for sure get goosebumps all the time. Yeah. Kyle's is, uh, I didn't list Kyle's, but Kyle's is our. We made five promo videos for that guy. Oh, yeah, just <laughs> because it was the most like. <laughs> guess what? There was a lot of, <laughs> and we're, we're interviewing his wife. In a, right, in a, a couple minutes, minutes. I can't <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> it'll be interesting but yeah just you're like I've told you now many times today you're getting it all today but um, I'm just really impressed and I don't I want to say like proud of you <laughs> Thank I you. don't like the word proud because it sounds like ownership yeah it's but not like it but I'm, I also I'm know it's what I don't know what other word to say. Okay, proud for you. Resonates. Yeah, I'm proud. Yeah, for you. and I think that's a thing I like to hear. You know, yeah, so yeah, maybe yeah. that's why. It's like I, the highest I say compliment. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I don't mean it like I'm your mother. Or something, <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I'm just like proud to know someone who's doing the work that you're doing because I think it's like I said earlier, mm-hmm. going to move mountains, and um, and I know you'll take that all with a grain of salt. But yes, I. Uh, it's important stuff, and I think. 
the energy, whatever that means for you, like the amount of time and effort and energy you put into it, every second of it is worthwhile because yeah. we're listening and we're learning from you. And Thank I you. like how I feel. Um, I know it sound like it's so ego to say I like how you make me feel. <laughs> I like how when I'm around you, though, I feel like I've known you for so long. Mm. I feel like you have that effect on a lot of people. And it's one of the reasons why your guests are able to, you know, display their mess because you're it's almost like their souls like, oh, yeah, I know you. I can share this. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. Thank you. Yeah. And your listeners, I mean, your listeners get to listen to someone else doing this story. But like I said, even I've been listening to your show for, since you started it. And it's I've been unraveling my myth before I even went on your show. You yeah. know, So you're doing work larger than just in your podcast studio. So mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> no more. No more. All right, Eric. Done. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think we all have uh what do we call that? Cognitive crushes? No. Mental mind crushes. We all know what Eric you're talking Coxie. about. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need a word for it. I have so many girlfriends that go, I don't know anything about Eric Godsey except for the fact that his intellect mm -hmm. I'm in love with. So yeah. we know we love you, Godsey. Thank you for being here. All right, Jade, what is your magic trick today, my darling? Yeah, so mine's really simple. It's just um you know, a lot of people bring their phones to the toilet and they're just scrolling Instagram while going to the bathroom. And my invite for you this week, at least do it for this whole week. And then if you don't like it, you don't have to continue. Um, mm -hmm. Don't take your phone with you to the bathroom. Instead, have a book on the toilet or in the bathroom and just read a subchapter while you're going to the bathroom. And I mean, think about how much more useful that is and how much more beneficial. And like, you could literally read a whole subchapter. If you mm -hmm. take a long time, you could read a whole chapter. Who knows? Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> you're, you're going to get a good reading in that day. And some people, they just don't have time to read is what they think. But you're on the yeah. toilet every day. So just use it. Solid. Some people are solid. Exactly. Yes. Some people, not so much. I um, like that. So, so uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my invite for you this week. Take a book instead of your phone. I love that. Uh not just because I'm a pactivist. We know all about that poop and period activist stuff. But because that is where some books, especially books that have like short chapters, like you're saying, uh, Light is the New Black, a Rebecca Campbell book, or any book that has... That's the book that came to mind. Yeah. Yeah. Which I read on the toilet, that entire book. And every day, so every day you're, you're sitting there at least once a day. Yeah. Hopefully more than mm -hmm. once a day if you got a real healthy colon flow going. Um you're getting a little nugget of knowledge and it just lights you up. It's like it's like doing a mini meditation, I feel like. I don't know. For me, that's yeah. what it is. So I love that. Thank you. I <laughs> should uh, re-implement that because I have been on my phone lately. And also, on that note, please disinfect your phones every night <laughs> just because we know everyone's using them in the bathroom. Okay. That's a sub-magic trick. My magic today is uh, something that comes from a quote that my girlfriend, Jade Rossi, um, who's a huge mm. fan of the show. Hi, hi, Jade, if you're listening. She texts us to, to me the other day. It says, um, this isn't her quote. It's a quote from Anthony DeMello. It says, to a disciple who has, excuse me, to a disciple who was forever complaining about others, the master said, if it is peace you want, Seek to change yourself, not the other people. It is. Can you hear my cat? <laughs> and she she's a caracal <laughs> cat. Is her spirit animal? So she's a caracal. Yeah. Okay. So it says it is easier to protect your feet with slippers 
than to carpet the whole of the earth. And I truly believe that this is the trick for living a happier, healthier, more abundant, more prosperous life. Just realizing that you have all the, the control and all the power you have ever thought you wanted to have in order to control other people. And the only reason you haven't been able to wield this wildly powerful weapon is because you didn't have the key. And the key is, that sounds like m very maleficent or very, I don't know, scary, but the key is something you have to earn through your ability to filter your interactions with others through your own honed and practiced temperament. So, okay, Buddha says something similar. He says, though one may conquer a thousand times a thousand men in battle, yet he indeed is the noblest victor who conquers himself. So my magic trick today is really just an invitation for you to begin to seek self-mastery, which I believe comes from constantly seeking your truth, which is that shit that lives underneath anywhere that you find reaction or anywhere that stirs some deep emotion. It's something we talk about with Godsey a lot is anywhere that you feel a, a, a niggling of emotion come up for you. Um, maybe you feel tearful, maybe you feel anger, whatever it is, that's the place to start digging. So that's my invite for you guys is to start digging in those places to hopefully evolve your self mastery and um, to, in a sense, wear slippers mm. instead of carpeting the whole of the earth, because that is a much um, more attainable goal. I love that. And it does just the same thing for you. Mm. I love yeah. that. All right, fam. So before we sign off, we want to remind you of the little giveaway we have going on for our magic mob. Basically, all you have to do is leave us a rating and review on your podcast app and you can do it right mm -hmm. now. Go ahead. Go ahead. While you're listening to the show, you can do it. Um, once you've written your review, you just snapshot it, post it on your Instagram and tag our Instagram, which is at the magic hour spelled M-A-J-I-C so that we will see it and we will be picking a couple of winners each month to get a hundred dollar gift card so hopefully you will be our yes. lucky winner and thank you guys so much also for just tuning in today and taking this journey with us if this episode held some magic for you please share it with your friends and family this means so much to us you guys and don't forget also that you can join us on our instagram page at the magic hour and let us know what your favorite episodes have been so far we appreciate all your feedback and want to know what's lighting you up yes and you guys know we release a new episode every monday so you can catch us again next week or go listen to some of our past episodes in our podcast library and by the way if you want to listen to our previous episode with yeah. today's guest eric godsey so which good. i highly recommend where we talk about psychedelics microdosing how to heal from traumatic past um we talk about open relationships dream psychology and so much more that was episode number four and of course we mm -hmm. highly recommend it and and I honestly, that is one of our downloaded. most um, yeah. talked about episodes, I say. Yeah. And downloaded for that matter. But people come up to me all the time and say that episode was <laughs> the tits. Uh, and if you, you guys can hear me butcher the word Jungian, back then I was calling it Jungian because I had no idea anything about it. So it's pretty cool to see how far we've come since then. Um, all right, gang. We'll meet you there. Until then. Be a light. Big thank you to at Rayton Royal for our interjam. And of course to John Garza from Real In Motion Productions for producing the show. Stay magical, friends. Quick disclaimer. 
We are not medical professionals, so following any of our protocols or advice should be done at your own risk, people. And please remember to always, always do your own research. Tap into that extraordinary growth mindset we all have access to within ourselves and seek out your own answers. Come on, guys. You know. You know the deal. And by the way, if you are a medical professional or an expert in any topic we cover and you feel we are not giving accurate information about it, please find somewhere to contact us. Contact us via social or email us at our website and let us know. A major goal of ours in doing this podcast is to bring value to people's lives by sharing helpful insights and info. So we welcome being corrected at any time and we'll be happy to share any of our fuck ups with our listeners so as to get us all back on track to discovering our happiest, healthiest selves.